Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Morning, Crosswalk. I am Pastor Dan. I have the privilege of sharing the message with you here today. And we are in the middle of the series, The Healer, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, I've ever had the opportunity to, to preach and to share with people. And today we are getting towards the end of it, with God showing us how to be resilient. And this idea of being resilient, that even though we're stretched from our, uh, and squeezed from our God-given form, that we are resilient, that God brings us back into shape. And the message today is entitled, Gaining Momentum. If you'd like to follow along, it, you can do so on the Crosswalk Notes. And if you have a Bible with us today, or if you have a phone app, you can open up to Psalm 1, and we'll be looking at that in just a moment. Again, Psalm 1. Again, the message today is about momentum. And and yesterday, as I was writing the message, I, I just, I was struggling how to describe momentum and to have a good illustration on how it affects us in our lives. And then God gave me an illustration, as he always does, uh, right in my lap. And so before I show you this illustration, I'm going to ask everyone here today, when I bring up this topic, I don't want any weeps or cries. I don't want any cheers. I want you to control yourself. I want no reaction to this, please, so that you don't ruin it, okay? Promise? Are we good? There's going to be no reaction to this. For some of you, you're going to like, I don't even know what this is about. For others, it's going to mean a lot to you. Control yourself for a little bit. Yesterday, Arizona Lutheran Academy was in, the boys' basketball team was in the state championship. Very good self-control. Let's keep it up. The, so, so what happened was I was not able to go to the game because the game was at 1 o'clock, we have worship at 5 o'clock on Saturday night. There would be no way that I would be able to make sure I got back because you don't know if Highway 17 is going to stay open, whatever. I, I wasn't able to go. And so my wife was at the game. Kids were at the game. In-laws were at the game. And we texted back and forth. And, and I want you to think about this whole thing. That I'm going to share with you the text stream between my wife and me during this game. And I want you to think of the word momentum as we do this. So here we go. This was the first text. She texted me, 14 to 2 with two minutes left in the quarter. And then I texted her, winning? And then her next text to me is, yes, now 17-6 at the start of the second. Like, this is good. This is, this is very good. The team they were playing is very good, Scottsdale Prep. And I thought we were going to lose by 20. And that, the fact that we would be winning was surprising to me. Wow, that makes me like not a believer. But anyways, <laughs> so, so that happens. Then the next text I get is 34 to 18 at half, playing well. To which I respond, nice. Very good. Very nice. Okay, so then it's a, it's a period of time, maybe 10 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. The next text, ref's not on our side this half. And my response is, score? What's the score? 
And then she responds, end of the third, winning 54-33. I'm like, are you kidding me? The refs aren't on our side. We're winning 54-33 in the state championship. We have one quarter left. We're winning by 21. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to go online to find my ALA Coyotes basketball state championship. My text back to her is, wow, I didn't expect that big a lead. It was surprising. It really was. What a great game. The next text she sends, 56-42 with six minutes left. Like, okay, now it's 14 points. It's getting a little scary. The next text, not playing well, throwing the ball away, still winning, 58-44. I go, okay, 14, we're good. We're in good shape. And then text me back, four minutes left. To which I respond, hold on, coyotes. <laughs> the next text she sent me shook me. And that was 5851. Like, are you kidding me? And then my response was, holy cow. <laughs> that was not actually my response, but for this sermon... <laughs> And then my next text was, how much time? Time? She said, three minutes, 15 seconds left. At that time, I was worried, didn't know how things were going to go. The next text, if you are an ALA Coyote fan, you, you know how I felt. Next one was, Brady fouled out. You know Brady Cook, he's, I don't know, is he 6'5", 6'6"? He makes such a difference in the middle playing defense, getting rebounds. He's just a force on the court. And now he's gone, and I'm starting to think, this is not going to end well. The next one, 60-55 with two minutes left. Two minutes is an eternity uh, in, in basketball. And then the next one was even worse, 60-57. And the next text, a minute 44 left. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm going to have to call Jeff. We're going to have to uh, get Doug Meyer, the boys coach, some type of uh, committed to some type of an asylum for the next week because he is going to be going crazy uh, thinking about this and, and how they let it slip away. The next one, 64 to 60. The next one, 66, 60 with 42 seconds left, which is still a long time. Then there was a break in texting, which seemed to take 20 minutes, where it's like, come on, what is going on? She knows I'm waiting. And then the final text, 73-65, one, 73-65. Now you can clap. And my final text was, thank God, I'm guessing Doug is either completely bald or gray by now. Momentum. For those of you who were at the game and you relive this as it comes through a text, for those of you who weren't like me, just sitting by your phone, seeing how this momentum, how you can go from winning by 21 to only up by three in a period of seven minutes. And the answer is momentum. We understand how this goes. We're in the first half of a game. You can be playing it, and it seems like you can't miss. Everything you throws up, every bounce goes your way, every call. And, and it, it seems like you are just going to cruise, and it, it's going to be such a big victory. 
But then little things start to happen, and it's usually little things where you're like, uh-oh. Now, now we're starting to get nervous. How, how, is, how is this going to affect me? And we can see this in a game, but I am telling you, this doesn't only happen in games, but this happens with hurts, habits, and hang-ups in life. Times when I've talked to people who are having marriage problems, and one day you talk to them, and they're like, this is great, we're communicating, everything's going better, and we're going to make it, and, and this is great. Then two days later, got in a huge argument, huge blowout argument. We're not talking anymore. I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think we're meant to be together. I think God's trying to tell me something else. You're like, whoa, settle down. Other people, as they go through recovery with alcohol, with drugs, things like that, where, where all of a sudden the temptations start to come at them and, and, and they're being bombarded with with mixed signals, and they're wondering, how am I going to make it through this? I remember talking to a, a coach of mine, and, and hearing this from other coaches as well. When you are going into a, a big game, they tell you this. The other team at some point, the reason they're in this game too, is because they are very good. And at some point... They are going to stand up and they are just going to punch us in the face. They are going to go on a run. They are going to do something that is going to make you question whether you belong on that floor, whether you really can beat them. And, and it's at that moment that, that you have to stand firm, that you have to take that blow, maybe get knocked down, but then you get right back up and you go back into the fight. And I'm telling you, that is not only true about games, but this is, through, this is true about life as well. Because we are in a battle that is not a game. We are in a battle against Satan for your soul. The win in this is going to heaven. And, and the loss in this is going to hell. And this is a very real fight. Every one of you have been called in it. The Bible calls it the great tribulation. That's what we live in. It's called that because it's not easy. But it's a battle that you must fight and it's a battle that with Christ you will win. So I ask you to go to your notes and as we see the healer gaining momentum as we go forward with this resilient life that God has given us. The first passage is from Matthew chapter 6 beginning with the 13th or the 13th verse. And these are the words of Jesus. Uh, and it was during the Sermon on the Mountain. He was teaching his disciples and the people how to pray. And after he told them a number of things that they should pray about, this is what he said. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as we, we look at this first point, it's Jesus is the one who brings it up. This idea of temptation. Beware of temptation. He told his disciples this on many times. Beware of temptation. When you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. Understand that the devil, uh, it was Peter that said, is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is on the prowl. He is looking for an opening in your life to attack you. And understand that. So pray to the Lord, lead us not into temptation. Now it's not God who leads us into temptation. We're going to see that the next verse. First, or James 1. 
When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, and this is you, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This temptation is serious stuff. Because where temptation leads. And and in our our reading for today, the, the psalm we're looking at is Psalm 1. And this also describes what happens when a person is tempted and follows that temptation. It says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They're like chaff. They will not stand in the judgment. And so, in our blank, you can write, temptation leads to sin, which leads to death. Temptation leads to sin, which leads to death. A week from today, I'm going to be going to watch a a spring training Chicago Cubs game. I'm a Cubs fan. And they are going to be playing a, a Sunday game. I'm going to have family in town. And they wanted to go watch them play the Brewers. So we're going to go uh, watch that. And I know that these tickets can be hard to get, so I ordered them about a month ago. And after I got the tickets, every other day after that, I received an email from MLB.com. And then on opposite days, I would receive one from the Chicago Cubs. And as they were emailing me. They were emailing me about games. They were emailing me about uh, different products, uh, different uh, Cubs gear that I would want to have. And finally, I hit unsubscribe to both emails. And the reason why I did is not because I didn't like them. It's because I did like them. You see, what happens is they keep showing you this really cool stuff, and and I'm watching the Cubs one, and and what you can do is you can order all their farm team's baseball hats fitted to your size. thinking, how cool would that be? And I'm thinking of where where I could put it, maybe in the garage. And and I thought about that, and, and and the hats are only like 32 bucks a piece. And I started thinking, Seriously? There is no way. And so unsubscribe because temptation leads to me wanting to do this, which leads me to, yeah, death when my wife finds out that I bought them. And as we look at this, this is the important part, and that is that temptation, there is a reason why the devil tempts you. And sometimes our thought process is this, is is the devil just tempts me so that I sin. And then when I sin, God's not happy with me. That's not the reason why sin is such a problem. The problem is because it leads to death. Another way that I would would describe this is is to use the analogy of texting while driving. The, The advertising that's done to stop you from texting when driving 
shows you what happens when you text and drive, right? So it shows the girls in the car and they're texting and talking. And then what happens, a, a, a little boy runs out to get his ball in the road and, and they stop the camera right before it hits him and then they show the, the shoe in the road. Now here's the problem. Here's why we need a commercial like that. And the reason why is, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but, but if you're honest, ask yourself, have you ever texted or looked at your email or looked at your phone while you were driving? And, and I'm going to guess the answer for many people is yes, we've done that. I'll admit, I have done that. But no one died. You know what? It's all good. And, and so you would think that would lead me to say, well, I... Some people can't text and drive like those high school girls, but for me, I've been driving for a long time. I can text and drive. And what these commercials are trying to show you is this is what happens when you text and drive. Not every time, but all it takes is once. And that is why if there was a commercial that shows what happens when you are tempted and you sin, that every time that you sin, you don't fall away from the faith and fall away from God and go to hell. But I am telling you, that is the devil's game plan when he tempts you and you do sin. And when you are in that sin and it says, maybe God doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe there is a better way. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a way that I can figure out. And in every one of the, those temptations, the, the game plan is to get you away from God and ultimately lead to your spiritual death. Those commercials are made so that you understand that about texting. These verses are written so that you understand that about temptation, so that you loathe it, so that you fight every single one as if it were a life and death proposition, because it is. But we go on. This is Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And so now, as we look at temptation, we see the seriousness of it, and now really what the psalmist is doing is coming up with a common-sense approach on how to get rid of at least some temptation. And so Christians need to use common sense when it comes to temptation. Common sense when it comes to temptation. And notice what it's saying. Don't walk, stand, or sit. I've used this example in a message before. And I think of the 4th of July when my kids were young and the place where we lived where people would light fireworks off in our neighborhood all the time. The only problem was it was illegal. And so for years, they didn't do anything to crack down on it because it was the 4th of July. What was the big deal? But one summer, it was particularly dry, and they warned everyone, we are going to crack down. So what happens? People start lighting fireworks. Kids see the fireworks going up. Hey, Dad, we're going on a bike ride. So they get on their bikes, and they, they drive around, ride around until they find the spot where the, they're lighting fireworks. And what do they do? They stop at the end of the driveway watching. Oh, that's cool. And then what happens? They lay their bikes down. And then they walk in and they're standing there. And then they say, hey, would you mind if, if we light one? And then the squad car rolls in. What are you doing? 
See, it's common sense to tell them, you know what, if you wouldn't have gotten on your bikes in the first place and gone over there, none of this would have happened. And so it is with temptation in our life and and in your life. When you think of the things that you are tempted by or the things that you have problems with, what common sense things can you do to stay away from those temptations? I have a friend who has an issue with the internet and how he uses that. And and so what he does is he has a computer that has a, a program on it called Covenant Eyes. Every website he visits comes to my email address. And, and so if anything questionable comes up, I call him because he wants me to. He said, hold me accountable. So I'm just trying to keep myself from that being a temptation to me. And it works. The book of Proverbs, when Solomon w- was talking about wisdom and, and wisdom was speaking, talked about the house of an adulterous woman. That tells guy, don't even go near her house. Stay away. You know where those parts of town are. You know where those places are where you are tempted. Fight this battle not there, but fight it far away from there with decisions you make. Sanctified Christian common sense. Saying, Lord, help me make good decisions now so that I don't have to fight these battles later. And that will help you. That will go a long way. But that will not take you all the way. Because temptation not only comes from outside of us, it also comes from the sinful nature inside of us. It was Martin Luther who wrote, I can't keep the birds from flying in the air, but I can keep them from nesting in my hair. And he was writing about temptation. That he was saying, you know what? Temptations are all around us. You, you cannot, unless you go live in a cave... Even then, if you live in a cave, there will be temptation because you bring it with you. But what he is saying is that you can keep temptations from being close to you. You can push them away. You can shoo them away. So what do we do? That we look at temptation. This is in the context of gaining momentum where I want to be going the right way. I want to be resilient. I want to be the things that God wants me to be. So these are the things, okay, fine. This is what I am not supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Psalm 1, 2, and 3 tells us. So this blessed is this person, again, who, who's not giving into sin and walking or standing or sitting by sinners, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. And so as we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, what we can pray also is lead me into meditation. The word meditation is a great word. I I just love the word because uh, meditate is similar to ruminate, which is the word for a cow when it chews its cud. And so the opposite of this would be in one ear and out the other. But, but meditate means that when you hear something from God's word, that you chew on it, that you take it to heart. Different ways that we say that. So when you hear this or when you have your crosswalk notes, 
What you are able to do is you are able to go home today, have your refrigerator, get your refrigerator magnet out, and every time you go in there for a week, look at the memory verse or look at the points that are made in the message. And so each day, look at a different point. I don't care how you do it, but it's when you think about it. It's when you take it to heart. It's when you discuss it on the way home today. And you're in your car and you're talking about what exactly it means and, and, and how you can take these things and apply them to your life. See, the thing about momentum, both negative and positive, is momentum is a big thing, but momentum is caused by little things. And if you don't believe that, think, think of a football game for a moment. That a team is going down the field, right? And they're going for a score. And then what happens? They get an offsides penalty. Or a legal procedure. So now they have to go back five yards. Oh, great. Or what can the other team do if a team's moving down? Call a timeout. That sometimes if you just stop the rhythm... If you make them think about what they're doing, that is just enough to stop the momentum. But the thing about it is we understand that that is how momentum is lost. But we also need to understand that that is also how momentum is gained. It's gained by little things, doing the little things well, doing the little things in the correct way. And as we look at this, we had a whole sermon series on this, if you remember. It was called Shift. We had it just a few months ago. And on the top of your next page, it's a reminder of the little things that you can do that are conducive to growing your faith. First of all, practical teaching. And and as you look at these, all of these are based off of Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. So practical teaching, the teaching that we can meditate on, that God's word is not dry, God's word is not boring, but teaching in such a way that it's practical, that we use law and gospel, that it convicts us of sin and it points us to Jesus where there is forgiveness. So that as I do my Bible reading, my devotion, uh, whatever it happens to be, hear the message on Sunday, that there's something in there that feeds me. The next one is private disciplines. Private disciplines is when you take responsibility for your own faith. Private disciplines would be things that you do that no one else sees. Maybe sometimes they see them. But that, again, is your Bible reading, personal Bible reading. It's your devotional time. It's your prayer life. It's you when you go to growth group. It's when you come to worship that you have control and self-discipline to do that. The next one is personal ministry. In the verse it says, the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, notice, which yields its fruit in season. And so what happens in private disciplines is when you plant yourself next to God's word. That if anyone wants to know where you are, that's where you are, by God. So that when when the difficult times of life come, that when there are droughts, that you're fine because you have your root system in your God. And then as a natural result, when you are doing that, that service is going to follow. The next one is providential relationships. Again, normally with this, I I think of growth groups because this is where it happens, but it's not just growth groups. It's It's inside a Christian home. 
It's when you have a conversation with someone who is going to share with you the salt and light of God and his word. It's someone who loves you enough and cares about you enough and is close enough to you to tell you that you are wrong. To tell you that you are doing something wrong. And then that also, that same person to tell you that you are loved, that you are forgiven. To lift you up in prayer, to pray with you. And then finally is pivotal circumstances. Pivotal circumstances, that's when the droughts of life come. That's when the storms come. That those are the times when, when you realize, oh my goodness, I could lose. I can't do this by myself. And they direct you back to Christ alone, where there is help and there is support. Look for these things, these little things. When we had the sermon series, we said these are little things that make a big difference. And they do. But lest you think that this is some step-by-step process by which you can guarantee that you'll be safe, understand that it is not that at all. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14 tells us, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So as we look at this, it's not either you or the Holy Spirit who who guards and protects your faith. But it's the Holy Spirit working through God's word that you use in your life. The next one. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Again, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He is going to take care of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. In our filling, we, when we gain momentum, it is the Holy Spirit who gets and keeps us going. Plain and simple. The Holy Spirit working through the Word of God. This is really important. This is, this is so important. And, and the reason why is, when you think of momentum in a sports situation, when things start really going south and, and you wonder if we are going to make it, there's usually someone on your team that you look to. There, there is that person. They are the hero. They are the superstar. They are the one that, that they say, use terminology like, yeah, he just put that team on his shoulders and he went forward and he willed it. And, and he went out and he won that game. He made them believe that they could do it. It's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit working through the word of God, when we realize that we are at points in our life where we cannot win and we're right because of our own sin, that it, it makes us doubt and we realize where that sin leads to and we realize that hell is something that, that is not only something that could happen, but it's even what I deserve. That the Holy Spirit comes through that good news of Jesus Christ. Reminds you that you are not only forgiven, but you have a God who guards you, who fights for you, who has taken away your sin. We look to God at those difficult times, not deeper inside of ourselves, not how we're going to pull ourselves up, but to our God who keeps us resilient, who brings us back to our original God-given shape. The last verse is Psalm 1, verse 3. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And as you look at that, whatever they do prospers, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And that doesn't mean that we're going to get whatever we want. And it doesn't mean that we're never going to fall. But when we continue to go back to God and his word in humility, with repentance, turning to him for forgiveness, and that becomes who we are and what we do, that the guarantee is even in those difficult times, we will continue to be prosperous. God will use whatever situation it is for our eternal good. So through Jesus, I gain spiritual momentum. I will fight every spiritual battle knowing Jesus has given me victory. As I was looking through this and and studying on this, lead us not into temptation, one of the places I went, which is just a... It's online, uh, Luther's catechism, his small catechism and his large catechism. And in Luther's large catechism is the quote that I'm going to read for you. It'll be up here. That really summarizes this lesson so well. It says, Therefore, we Christians must be armed and daily expect to be incessantly attacked in order that no one may go in security and heedlessly as though the devil were far from us but at all times expect and parry his blows. So, so when you look at the illustration he's using is that we're in a sword fight. And that every time that as Satan comes with, with these temptations, it's, it is like a sword blow. And that we come back with God's word and we are blocking every one of those. This is great. For though I am now chaste, patient, kind, and in firm faith, The devil will this very hour send such an arrow into my heart that I can scarcely stand. For he is an enemy that never desists nor becomes tired, so that when one temptation ceases, there always arises others and fresh ones. And again, written 500 years ago, but describing what what happens to me. Standing on the stage... Give, sharing with you this advice from God's word and knowing that, that as I walk off within the next hour, what's going to happen where Satan shoots that arrow at my heart and, and says, Dan, you have all of this and you don't live it. Next, accordingly, there is no help or comfort except to run hither and to take hold of the Lord's prayer and thus speak to God from the heart. Dear Father, thou hadst bids me pray, let me not relapse because of temptations then you will see that they must desist and finally acknowledge themselves conquered. Going to the Lord and the Lord fighting those battles for you. Else, if you venture to help yourself by your own thoughts and counsel, you will only make the matter worse and give the devil more space. For he has a serpent's head, which if it gain an opening into which he can slip, the whole body will follow without check. Prayer can prevent him and drive him back. And that is God's promise to you. That as you go forward with momentum, as you are faced with temptation, that it is a battle which you need the Lord to fight with you.
And so whether it be the prayer, lead us not into temptation, Lord, help me to fight each temptation, know that you have the victory through Jesus Christ. The final thing I would just like you to to look at is on the resilient uh, at the bottom, underneath the memory verse. And as we see all of these things, as, as we see how God makes us resilient, the very last one today, neutralize temptation with God's word. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we understand that in our lives, temptations come every day. They are like that bird's flying around that we can try to keep out of our hair, but they are always there. And so, Lord, each one of those temptations are the ways that Satan would come after our heart and and destroy us. But even through those temptations, Lord, when we turn to you, you use them to strengthen our faith and our hope and our trust in you. And so, Lord, we ask you to be with us every day. Send your Holy Spirit to work through the power of your word and keep us strong in the faith. At times when we feel like we're going to lose, like the momentum has completely shifted out of our favor, come and be the hero one more time with your promises. Remind us that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and one day we will completely enjoy the victory of the war with you in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you. Amen. So, before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you look at the next steps, one of the next steps is to just look at obvious areas of temptation in your life to ask, how can I use common sense to just get rid of some of this temptation? But as you go, the, the real truth that I want you to take with you is that God, like that stream, like that river that we are planted next to, is constant. That, that temptations can come and go, but, but God is, is constant and he can be relied on in any and every situation. So go to him in prayer and know that, that he hears and answers you. And also, as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless your day. If you have a prayer uh, that you would like to pray with, we have a prayer team. You can stay in your seat and they will pray with you. If not, we'll meet you out on the patio. Thank you.